chapter forty one of the ordeal of richard feverel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the ordeal of richard feverel by george meredith chapter forty one a man with a beard saluted the wise youth adrian in the full blaze of piccadilly with a clap on the shoulder adrian glanced leisurely behind do you want to try my nerves my dear fellow i am not a man of fashion happily or you would have struck the seat of them how are you that was his welcome to austin wentworth after his long absence austin took his arm and asked for news with the hunger of one who had been in the wilderness five years the whigs have given up the ghost my dear austin the free briton is to receive liberty's pearl the ballot the aristocracy has had a cycle's notice to quit the monarchy and old madeira are going out demos and cape wines are coming in they call it reform so you see your absence has worked wonders depart for another five years and you will return to ruined stomachs cracked sconces general upset and equality made perfect by universal prostration austin indulged him in a laugh i want to hear about ourselves how is old ricky you know of his what do they call it when greenhorns are licensed to jump into the milk-pails of dairymaids a very charming little woman she makes by the way presentable quite old anacreon's rose in milk well everybody thought the system must die of it not a bit it continued to flourish in spite it's in a consumption now though emaciated lean raw spectral i've this morning escaped from raynham to avoid the sight of it i have brought our genial uncle hippias to town a delightful companion i said to him we've had a fine spring ugh he answers there's a time when you come to think the spring old you should have heard how he trained out the old i felt something like decay in my sap just to hear him in the prize fight of life my dear austin our uncle hippias has been unfairly hit below the belt let's guard ourselves there and go and order dinner but where's ricky now and what is he doing said austin ask what he has done the miraculous boy has gone and got a baby a child richard has one austin's clear eyes shone with pleasure i suppose it's not common among your tropical savages he has one one as big as two that has been the death-blow to the system it bore the marriage the baby was too much for it could it swallow the baby twould live she the wonderful woman has produced a large boy i assure you it's quite amusing to see the system opening its mouth every hour of the day trying to gulp him down aware that it would be a consummate cure or a hasty release by degrees austin learnt the baronet's proceedings and smiled sadly how has ricky turned out he asked what sort of a character has he the poor boy is ruined by his excessive anxiety about it character he has the character of a bullet with a treble charge of powder behind it enthusiasm is the powder that boy could get up an enthusiasm for the maiden days of ops he was going to reform the world after your fashion austin you have something to answer for unfortunately he began with the feminine side of it cupid proud of phoebus newly slain or pluto wishing to people his kingdom if you like put it into the soft head of one of the guileless grateful creatures to kiss him for his good work o oh, horror he never expected that conceive the system in the flesh and you have our richard the consequence is that this male parry refuses to enter his paradise though the gates are open for him the trumpets blow and the fair unspotted one 
awaits him fruitful within we heard of him last that he was trying the german waters preparatory to his undertaking the release of italy from the subjugation of the teuton let's hope they'll wash him he is in the company of lady judith fell your old friend the ardent female radical who married the decrepit to carry out her principles they always marry english lords or foreign princes i admire their tactics judith is bad for him in such a state i like her but she was always too sentimental said austin sentiment made her marry the old lord i suppose i like her for her sentiment austin sentimental people are sure to live long and die fat feeling that's the slayer cuz sentiment tis the cajolery of existence the soft bloom which whoso weareth he or she is enviable would that i had more you're not much changed adrian i'm not a radical austin further inquiries responded to in adrian's figurative speech instructed austin that the baronet was waiting for his son in a posture of statuesque offended paternity before he would receive his daughter-in-law and grandson that was what adrian meant by the efforts of the system to swallow the baby we're in a tangle said the wise youth time will extricate us i presume or what is the venerable signor good for austin mused some minutes and asked for lucy's place of residence we'll go to her by and by said adrian i shall go and see her now said austin well we'll go and order the dinner first cuz give me her address really austin you carry matters with too long a beard adrian objected don't you care what you eat he roared hoarsely looking humorously hurt i dare say not a slice out of him that's handy sauce du ciel go batten on the baby cannibal dinner at seven adrian gave him his own address and lucy's and strolled off to do the better thing overnight mrs berry had observed a long stranger in her teacup posting him on her fingers and starting him with a smack he had vaulted lightly and thereby indicated that he was positively coming the next day she forgot him in the bustle of her duties and the absorption of her faculties and thoughts of the incomparable stranger lucy had presented to the world till a knock at the street door reminded her there he is she cried as she ran to open to him there's my stranger come never was a woman's faith in omens so justified the stranger desired to see mrs richard feverel he said his name was mr austin wentworth mrs berry clasped her hands exclaiming come at last and ran bolt out of the house to look up and down the street presently she returned with many excuses for her rudeness saying i expected to see her coming home mr wentworth every day twice a day she go out to give her blessed angel an airing no leaving the child with nursemaids for her she is a mother and good milk too thank the lord though her heart's so low indoors mrs berry stated who she was related the history of the young couple and her participation in it and admired the beard although i'd swear you don't wear it for ornament now she said having in the first impulse designed a stroke at man's vanity ultimately mrs berry spoke of the family complication and with dejected head and joined hands throughout dark hints about richard while austin was giving his cheerful views of the case lucy came in preceding the baby i'm austin wentworth he said taking her hand they read each other's faces these two and smiled kinship your name is lucy she affirmed it softly and mine is austin as you know mrs berry allowed time for lucy's charms to subdue him and presented richard's representative who seeing a new face suffered himself to be contemplated before he commenced crying aloud and knocking at the doors of nature for something that was due to him ain't he a lusty darlin says mrs berry ain't he like his own father there can't be no doubt about zoo zoo pity pet look at his fists ain't he got passion ain't he a splendid roarer 
oh and she went off rapturously into baby language a fine boy certainly mrs berry exhibited his legs for further proof desiring austin's confirmation as to their being dumplings lucy murmured a word of excuse and bore the splendid roar out of the room she might have done it here said mrs berry there's no prettier sight i say if her dear husband could but see that he's off in his heroics he want to be doin all sorts of things i say he'll never do anything grander than that baby you should a seen her uncle over that baby he came here for i said you shall see your own family my dear and so she thinks he come and he laughed over that baby in the joy of his heart poor man he cried he did you should see that mr thompson mr wentworth a friend of mr richards and a very modest-minded young gentleman he worships her in his innocence it's a sight to see him with that baby my belief is he's unhappy cause he can't anyways be nursemaid to him oh mr wentworth what do you think of her sir austin's reply was as satisfactory as a man's poor speech could make it he heard that lady feverell was in the house and mrs berry prepared the way for him to pay his respects to her then mrs berry ran to lucy and the house buzzed with new life the simple creatures felt in austin's presence something good among them he don't speak much said mrs berry but i see by his eye he mean a deal he ain't one o your longward gentry who's all gay deceivers every one of em lucy pressed the hearty suckling into her breast i wonder what he thinks of me mrs berry i could not speak to him i loved him before i saw him i knew what his face was like he looks proper even with a beard and that's a trial for a virtuous man said mrs berry one sees straight through the hair with him think he'll think what any man would think you a suckin spite o all your sorrow my sweet and my berry talkin of his roman matrons here's a english wife'll match em all that's what he thinks and now that leetle dark under your isle clear my darlin now he've come mrs berry looked to know more than that lucy to know more than the peace she had in being near richard's best friend when she sat down to tea it was with a sense that the little room that held her was her home perhaps for many a day a chop procured and cooked by mrs berry formed austin's dinner during the meal he entertained them with anecdotes of his travels poor lucy had no temptation to try to conquer austin that heroic weakness of hers was gone mrs berry had said three cups i goes no further and lucy had rejected the proffer of more tea when austin who was in the thick of a brazilian forest asked her if she was a good traveller i mean can you start at a minute's notice lucy hesitated and then said yes decisively to which mrs berry added that she was not a luggage woman there used to be a train at seven o'clock austin remarked consulting his watch the two women were silent could you get ready to come with me to raynham in ten minutes austin looked as if he had asked a commonplace question lucy's lips parted to speak she could not answer loud rattled the tea-board to mrs berry's dropping hands joy and deliverance she exclaimed with a foundering voice will you come austin kindly asked she again lucy tried to stop her beating heart as she answered yes mrs berry cunningly pretended to interpret the irresolution in her tones with a mighty whisper she's thinking what's to be done with baby he must learn to travel said austin oh cried mrs berry and i'll be his nuss and bear him a sweet oh and think of it me nursemaid once more at raynham abbey but it's nursewoman now you must say let us be going on the spot she started up and away in hot haste fearing delay would cool the heaven-sent resolve austin smiled eyeing his watch and lucy alternately she was wishing to ask a multitude of questions his face reassured her and saying i will be dressed instantly she also left the room 
talking bustling preparing wrapping up my lord and looking to their neatnesses they were nevertheless ready within the time prescribed by austin and mrs berry stood humming over the baby he'll sleep it through she said he's had enough for an alderman and goes to sleep sound after his dinner he do a duck before they departed lucy ran up to lady feverel she returned for the small one one moment mr wentworth just two said austin master richard was taken up and when lucy came back her eyes were full of tears she thinks she is never to see him again mr wentworth she shall austin said simply off they went and with austin near her lucy forgot to dwell at all upon the great act of courage she was performing i do hope baby will not wake was her chief solicitude he cries nursewoman berry from the rear his little tum-tums as tight as he can hold a pet a lamb a bird a beauty and ye may take your oath he never wakes till that's slack he've got character in his own a blessed there are some tremendous citadels that only want to be taken by storm the baronet sat alone in his library sick of resistance and rejoicing in the pride of no surrender a terror to his friends and to himself hearing austin's name sonorously pronounced by the nine of calves he looked up from his book and held out his hand glad to see you austin his appearance betokened complete security the next minute he found himself escalated it was a cry from mrs berry that told him others were in the room besides austin lucy stood a little behind the lamp mrs berry close to the door the door was half open and passing through it might be seen the petrified figure of a fine man the baronet glancing over the lamp rose at mrs berry's signification of a woman's personality austin stepped back and led lucy to him by the hand i brought richard's wife sir he said with a pleased perfectly uncalculating countenance that was disarming very pale and trembling lucy bowed she felt her two hands taken and heard a kind voice could it be possible it belonged to the dreadful father of her husband she lifted her eyes nervously her hands were still detained the baronet contemplated richard's choice had he ever had a rivalry with those pure eyes he saw the pain of her position shooting across her brows and uttering gentle inquiries as to her health placed her in a seat mrs berry had already fallen into a chair what aspect do you like for your bedroom east said the baronet lucy was asking herself wonderingly am i to stay perhaps you had better take to richard's room at once he pursued you have the low-born valley there and a good morning air and will feel more at home lucy's colour mounted mrs berry gave a short cough as one who should say the day is ours undoubtedly strange as it was to think it the fortress was carried lucy is rather tired said austin and to hear her christian name thus bravely spoken brought grateful dew to her eyes the baronet was about to touch the bell but have you come alone he asked at this mrs berry came forward not immediately it seemed to require effort for her to move and when she was within the region of the lamp her agitation could not escape notice the blissful bundle shook in her arms by the way what is he to me austin inquired generally as he went and unveiled the younger hope of raynham my relationship is not so defined as yours sir an observer might have supposed that the baronet peeped at his grandson with a courteous indifference of one who merely wished to compliment the mother of anybody's child i really think he's like richard austin laughed lucy looked i'm sure he is as like as one to one mrs berry murmured feebly but grandpapa not speaking she thought it incumbent on her to pluck up and he is as healthy as his father was sir austin spite of the might of beans regular as the clock we never want a clock since he come we knows the hour of the day and of the night you nurse him yourself of course the baronet spoke to lucy and was satisfied on that point 
mrs berry was going to display his prodigious legs lucy fearing the consequent effect on the prodigious lungs begged her not to wake him tid take a deal to do that said mrs berry and harped on master richard's health and the small wonder it was that he enjoyed it considering the superior quality of his diet and the lavish attentions of his mother and then suddenly fell silent on a deep sigh he looks healthy said the baronet but i am not a judge of babies thus having capitulated raynham chose to acknowledge its new commandant who was now borne away under the directions of the housekeeper to occupy the room richard had slept in when an infant austin cast no thought on his success the baronet said she is extremely well-looking he replied a person you take to at once there it ended but a much more animated colloquy was taking place aloft where lucy and mrs berry sat alone lucy expected her to talk about the reception they had met with and the house and the peculiarities of the rooms and the solid happiness that seemed in store mrs berry all the while would persist in consulting the looking-glass her first distinct answer was my dear tell me candid how do i look very nice indeed mrs berry but could you have believed he would be so kind so considerate i am sure i looked a frump returned mrs berry oh dear two birds at a shot what do you think now i never saw so wonderful a likeness says lucy likeness look at me mrs berry was trembling and hot in the palms you're very feverish dear berry what can it be ain't it like the love flutters of a young gal my dear go to bed berry dear says lucy pouting in her soft caressing way i will undress you and see to you dear heart you've had so much excitement ha ha berry laughed hysterically she thinks it's about this business of hers why it's child's play my darling but i didn't look for tragedy to-night sleep in this house i can't my love lucy was astonished not sleep here mrs berry oh why you silly old thing i know do ye said mrs berry with a sceptical nose you're afraid of ghosts belike i am when they're six foot two in their shoes and bellows when you stick a pin into their calves i seen my berry your husband large as life lucy meditated on optical delusions but mrs berry described him as the colossus who had marched them into the library and vowed that he had recognized her and quaked time ain't aged him said mrs berry where is me he've got his excuse now i know i look a frump lucy kissed her you look the nicest dearest old thing you may say an old thing my dear and your husband is really here berry's below profoundly uttered as this was it chased every vestige of incredulity what will you do mrs berry go my dear leave him to be happy in his own way it's over atween us i see that when i entered the house i felt there was something coming over me and lo and behold ye no sooner was we in the hall passage if it hadn't been for that blessed infant i should a dropped i must a known his step for my heart began thumping and i knew i hadn't got my hair straight that mr wentworth was in such a hurry nor my best gown i knew he'd scorn me he hates frumps scorn you cried lucy angrily he who has behaved so wickedly mrs berry attempted to rise i may as well go at once she whimpered if i see him i shall only be disgracing of myself i feel it all on my side already did ye mark him my dear i know i was vexing to him at times i was those big men are so touchy about their dignity natural hark at me i'm going all soft in a minute let me leave the house my dear i dare say it was good half my fault young women don't understand men sufficient not altogether and i was a young woman then and then what they goes and does they ain't quite answerable for they feels i dare say pushed from behind yes i'll go i'm a frump i'll go taint in nature for me to sleep in the same house lucy laid her hands on mrs berry's shoulders and forcibly fixed her in her seat 
leave baby naughty woman i tell you he shall come to you and fall on his knees to you and beg your forgiveness bury on his knees yes and he shall beg and pray you to forgive him if you get more from martin barry than breath away words great'll be my wonder said mrs barry we will see said lucy thoroughly determined to do something for the good creature that had befriended her mrs barry examined her gown won't it seem we're running after him she murmured faintly he is your husband mrs barry he may be wanting to come to you now oh where is all i was going to say to that man when we met mrs barry ejaculated lucy had left the room on the landing outside the door lucy met a lady dressed in black who stopped her and asked if she was richard's wife and kissed her passing from her immediately lucy dispatched a message for austin and related the barry history austin sent for the great man and said do you know your wife is here before barry had time to draw himself up to enunciate his longest he was requested to step upstairs and as his young mistress at once led the way barry could not refuse to put his legs in motion and carry the stately edifice aloft of the interview mrs barry gave lucy a slight sketch that night he began in the old way my dear and says i a true heart in plain words martin barry so there he cuts himself and his johnson short and down he goes down on his knees i never could have believed it i kept my dignity as a woman till i see that sight but that done for me i was a ripe apple in his arms for i knew where i was there's something about a fine man on his knees that's too much for us women and it really was the penitent on his two knees not the lover on his one if he mean it but ah what do you think he begs of me my dear not to make it known in the house just yet i can't i can't say that look well lucy attributed it to a sense of shame at his conduct and mrs barry did her best to look on it in that light did the baronet kiss ye when you wished him good-night she asked lucy said he had not then bide awake as long as ye can was mrs barry's rejoinder and now let us pray blessings on that simple speaking gentleman who does so much cause he says so little like many other natural people mrs barry was only silly where her own soft heart was concerned as she secretly anticipated the baronet came into her room when all was quiet she saw him go and bend over richard the second and remain earnestly watching him he then went to the half-open door of the room where lucy slept leaned his ear a moment knocked gently and entered mrs barry heard low words interchanging within she could not catch a syllable yet she would have sworn to the context eve called her his daughter promised her happiness and given a father's kiss to her when sir austin passed out she was in a deep sleep End of chapter forty one